sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, December 10th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician. And as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we fundamentally put the fun and functional sports content. And Kev, you know, I knew it was going to happen, right? We all knew it was going to happen. But that doesn't make it any less inconsistent any less egg on the face of the big 10 that's what i'm talking about kev because yesterday as we knew the big 10 presidents ad's chancellors all were going to get together and in essence figure out a way to get ohio state into the Big Ten Championship because they want them to represent the conference in the college football playoff. And all of those other schools who were rivals with Ohio State still want that money that would be shared by all the partner schools with one of their representatives getting into the big-time bracket. And so what do you know? Despite the old rule that you needed six games in order to qualify, they are not going to add another game to Ohio State's schedule. They're not going to find them another opponent that is hanging out potentially with also covid related cancellations they're going to say five and oh is good enough just wait a couple weeks and you'll play for the big 10 championship against the northwestern wildcats we don't have to worry about it y'all you didn't meet the threshold but it's okay you're the buckeyes you can get in you know dan i gotta be honest with you i i think they did the right thing i actually think there would have been more egg on their face had they not found ohio state in this spot because, one, Indiana would have played Northwestern, and we all would have known that the best team in the Big Ten was not in the game. They have beat Indiana, right? And that's Indiana's only loss. Give credit to the Hoosiers. They've had a heck of a season. No two ways about it. But the biggest of reason of them all, Dane, why I actually think that it would have been embarrassing for them is the six-game limit was self-imposed. That is not a rule throughout college football. It's certainly not a rule that stands the test of time. None of these rules stand the test of time. It is a rule that they made in the beginning of the year to stop a 2-0 team or a 3-0 team from saying, but we're unbeaten. Here's the deal with Ohio State, though, Dane, at 5-0. And that win over Indiana. They've already clinched a spot in the title game. Similar to how the ACC canceled Notre Dame's game up against Wake and provided uh, Clemson and Notre Dame with bye weeks before the ACC title game because they were both clinched and saying, listen, why would we waste our times not only potentially going to sully our championship game, but also with the way COVID works, why are we going to go out there and play an unnecessary football game? Which it would have been. It would have been an unnecessary football game. Ohio State versus Michigan, no matter how bad Michigan is, will never be an unnecessary football game. And it's unfortunate we're not going to watch those two teams throw the gloves on and probably one of them get absolutely knocked into out of space. But 
Ohio State's result in that game was meaningless to in, as far as their record went in getting them into the Big Ten title game. And that's why I think this was the right call. Fair enough. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe, big shout out for getting up on the grid early with us. Unless, of course, if they lost that game, right, even for the Big Ten championship, but then for the idea of the committee and the playoff. And here's the other thing we could say on the inverse, Kev, right? You mentioned the sixth game is a self-imposed rule. It doesn't say anywhere that the college football playoff committee has to take a team that won a conference championship. The the committee could have just... Could, could also take a 5-0 and Ohio State team. They clearly, it's the apple of their eye. They could have decided to take them anyway, right? I think the thing that I bristle with is <clears throat> trying to set a policy and then going back on the policy when it is too convenient for you. You know, I say this all the time, whether it was Tom Brady getting the concussion in the Super Bowl, or like we talk about with Justin Turner, you know, in the World Series, you have a protocol, you have a policy. And then when it gets just a little bit too, you know, a little bit too uncomfortable to have the stones to implement the policy, you know, you go in a different direction. That's what it is for me personally. Like this was their policy. Boom, it nailed Ohio State. So just the idea of now to retroactively move and shake is part of what I think is a little bit of the egg on the face. It happened the same way, I believe, with things like Baltimore and Pittsburgh and kind of the moving target, as it were, because then you can think about inconsistencies on how it is being applied. But let's think about this. They're going to play Northwestern, right? Do you think they get through? You think it's no big deal and they will ultimately stay there, be the Big Ten champion and then be called by the college football playoff committee you know so that's actually the funniest thing of it all i actually don't think the game against northwestern matters too much in the sense that we're going to assume ohio state wins the football game i mean at the end of the day all that we've done is book this team a sixth game another game where they're going to be above three touchdown favorites and we're going to scoff at the opponent because that's what the Big Ten has just had a down season. It's it's what it is, right? Indiana's, you know, put themselves in a spot where they're proud of their season, no doubt about that. But, again, Ohio State was 20-plus, you know, favorites in that football team. So, to me, as long as they beat Northwestern, right, and that's why I don't really even think that they needed that Northwestern game. This comes down to whether Florida beats Alabama and Clemson beats Notre Dame. That's when Ohio State needs to worry. And if those two things happen, I'm not sure a win over Northwestern is going to get them back in or deserving of a top four spot. Yeah, then is the question is, is the title of conference champion, how much does that matter to the committee? We'll talk about it more when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge, Dane and Kevin, talking about the Big Ten's decision to kind of, you know, revise their rules to uh, to let their cash cow kind of be in there, right? And 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 I make the point that I just feel like if you're going to have a policy, you got to go through it, right? You got to deal with what comes back. Maybe that's the uh, former educator in me, Kev, right? Like, as a teacher, we had rules and we had consequences, right? And, then, like, we had to kind of show accountability. But in the sports world, when there's millions of 
of dollars at play. This is not necessarily the priority. They did it in the ACC as well, Kev, right? They were like, you know Mm -hmm. what? We're almost home. We got Notre Dame Clemson. Let's not mess this up. They did that, you know, Cincinnati Tulsa as well, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. we're almost there. I know there was virus issues. They're like, let's not mess this up. We got something that we could put out there, uh, you know, as the championship game. Let's not mess with it. Same in the Big 12 as they're going to have Iowa State and Oklahoma go as well. You know, why risk what we have going on? But I guess my question is, like, is there any inconsistency? Like, what about a team like Wisconsin, let's say, in terms of mm-hmm. trying to get them an extra game? What about a team like Oklahoma, who did, in fact, lose games when they were favorites by that much at some point in the season, yet we're going to just assume that that, you know, that Ohio State would not trip up in that way? You know, you're you're cool with it. I understand you you say like really all that matters is what happens with Florida vis-a-vis. We have kind of narrowed it down the funnel to what matters and what doesn't anymore, right? Even BYU has been gone by the wayside. But, you know, if we brought it out for college football to be more than just the top four and who plays for the college football playoff, like yeah. is there any gripes here, any inconsistencies you see? So to me, I think I think <sighs> I agree. Like, if you set a rule, it's the rule, right? But I think the one thing, it's a rule that is, you know, months old, right? Again, like, it it is only existing because of this year. And I think it's okay to change rules if you come to realize that's a bad rule. And I think the caveat of the six-game minimum that, well, if a team clinches their spot, into our championship game with only five games played, well, I mean, if you clinch, you're in. If you clinch, like you having to, like, because this is the thing, if they did trip up to Michigan, right? right. And that's why I'm trying to separate the two. No, I know. They'd, be, right. they'd still go to the Big Ten title game. So that's why I think the Big Ten should be but, trying to handle their Big Ten title game. But Kev, with the with if, if they did lose that, right? Yes, mm-hmm. they'd be in the Big Ten title game, right? But then they would no longer have the inside track, right, against the Texas A and M, even against done. the Cincinnati potentially, right? Mm-hmm. So for the Big Ten championship game, but then in the eyes and the and the hierarchy and the pecking order of the playoff, those are two separate yes. conversations where having the game and the risk of tripping up may not mm-hmm. matter for them to qualify for a Big Ten championship game, but where it would put them in the pecking order of the college football playoff is dramatically different, right? 1,000%. And that's why I think they're separate conversations. Like, that's why, to me, okay. I okay. I think what, what's going on here with the Big Ten title game is okay. But that's why, and, and I'm going to compare them to the Fighting Irish, because I, I there's no team I know in the country better than, than Notre Dame, and I know the perception going into those games. Notre Dame has played 10 games, right? Now, you might say, Ah, but how many real tests do they have? I mean, of course, Clemson, regardless of who was at quarterback. UNC Carolina. was a tough battle, right? But, Dane, they went into that game against Boston College on upset alert. I know that everybody right. thought right. that Boston College in the red bandana game could beat that team. But was that really because it was Boston College or any game that would have followed the Clemson win? But regardless, right? Regardless, that was something that they had to get through. Even Mm. last week against Syracuse, staying with three minutes remaining in the first half, they were losing to Syracuse 7 3. Oh, yes, they know you know. Like, like, and that's the type of game where you go, as a Notre Dame fan, oh, no. 
we're 30 point favorites and we're going right. to let Syracuse ruin this whole thing. Now, yeah. and and that's what like those are the things that you go through. Dang, they played Pitt, right? Shout out our guy Jerry DePaola and the Pitt hey. Panthers who have been a solid team. Notre Dame went there as only 10 point favorites. And a lot of people liked what Pitt at one point was ranked in the top 25 even if they got left off Jerry's board to start the season. Notre Dame won the game 45-3. That's a part of Notre Dame's resume, that thing. So not only, right, do you add to the resume, you know, Ohio State is going to turn to that Michigan State performance, no matter what, like, this, like, and say, hey, listen, we just beat this team by 40. Not only do you add to your resume, but, yes, you have to step over landmines when you play double the amount of games. So in that front, there, there will be no disagreement. And that's why, though, to me, Dane, the Northwestern game, I don't really care if they roll Northwestern. Northwestern is not even close to the level of Ohio State because they played Michigan State and freaking lost. And Ohio State boat race that group by four. Like, I know that Ohio State's way better than them. That's Mm -hmm. the problem for Ohio State this year, Dane. And we talked about, but they're playing uh, what feels like an A-10 schedule. Like, they're playing, like, they are Gonzaga. This like my Cincinnati like, Bearcats have better wins, maybe you know, no, or will have better do. wins on total. It's not even yeah. might. The, the Cincinnati has better wins than Ohio State. They just and four do. more of them, you know. <laughs> yes, and that's I, the I, thing, I, right? I think in this, Kev, I, I I fear. I'm not saying you do this, right? But I think mm-hmm. there's always that other side of the coin. The idea of not valuing. Avoiding all the landmines, right? That is a real thing that any kind of championship caliber team has to do, you know? And we're just giving Ohio State that kind of express pass that they would have never tripped up against a whatever it was in a fuller schedule, a Minnesota, a Purdue, a you know, a Rutgers, whatever it was, right? And mm-hmm. and we say this all the time, Kev, like when we do the NFL, you know, and you're like, they're going to be favored in the next four games, right? It's, it's right. I, I sometimes fear when you do that, you are discounting the risk, the potential for the landmine, right? In the analysis, yeah. right? In chaining together assumptions, right? And we've mm-hmm. seen the, the Seahawks, double-digit favorites, lost, right? The Steelers, undefeated Steelers, lost, right? I'm not to say that Ohio State wouldn't get through three more games. They probably would. The only difference is, you know, Alabama has. Cincinnati has, right? And I think that is the slight difference here. It seems like the people who want Ohio State in are completely comfortable throwing away that that risk and how that is part of the resume as well, right? Anyone who's like, yeah, let's get Ohio State in. Yeah, at 5-0, they deserve to be there. I agree. They're probably one of the best four teams in the country, but they haven't, Mm -hmm. you know, they haven't had to prove themselves, and while I believe they likely would win all of those games, likely by multiple touchdowns, you know, the fact that they just didn't have to go through that is valuable, and I don't think people actually put value on it. No, Dane, I totally agree. Ohio State last year was unbeaten in Big Ten play, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who say, yeah, of course they were. It was the first time since 2014 they didn't lose a Big Ten game. And still in 2014, they lost the game to Virginia Tech. Unbe- they don't just hand out unbeaten seasons. 
They're, they're not saying, just right? easy to come back. Right. You, you will right. find yourself tripping up. Even last year's unbeaten Ohio State team, Dane, in the Big mm-hmm. Ten title game against Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin was ranked eighth in the country, but Ohio State was about 17-point favorites in that game. Yeah. It was 21-7 yeah. Wisconsin at half. Now, Ohio State yeah. ended up coming back and what a 27 nothing in the second half. And that's what made Ohio State Ohio State. Like, that's what made them who they were, 100%. They've not done that at any point this year. Right. And that's the thing. So think about that, though, just for everybody. I'll say it again. They have not been unbeaten in Big Ten play last year, and then yes. it was not until 2014. And last year's unbeaten team was down by two touchdowns at the half in the Big Ten title game. I 100% agree with you, Dan. I think that's right. And here's the thing. I'm going to try and boil it down for one sentence. You can't impress me until you've been tested. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that just hasn't happened just yet. Talking about policies, talking about testing, we'll go to the NBA after the break and see what they're doing. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout-out to all of the affiliates that are getting the grid early with us here on the early line kev preseason in the nba starts like tomorrow okay and so while we were talking about the rules and the policies and what will not change or what will change i do want to bring our attention to start with in the nba you know and and their amazing commissioner adam silver and their collaboration and their open communication which as i know you fundamentally believe in and it thinks is why everything will be okay in the NBA. We didn't talk about it a ton, but they did kind of come out ahead of the game and talk about some of their protocols, Kev, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone does have coronavirus, right, um, what it'll look like. And, and, and what I taught out of this are three main things, Kev, and I'd love to get your thoughts generally and how you think it's going to go. One is that there's two different ways you can return to play, Kev, right? One is 10 days of a quarantine. Right. Option B is two negative tests within 24 hours, even if it's not that 10 day horizon. Right. So Mm. I don't want it to look like, oh, wait, they're rushing Giannis back in a different policy. If he has two negative tests in a 24 hour span, that's like getting cleared to return to action. I also thought it was interesting, Kev. uh, Every team is going to have a much smaller traveling party when they go from city to city. Uh, You know, there's like Mm -hmm. 17 actual players and, you know, the guys that aren't dressed and stuff like that. They're limiting it to, I believe, about 40, which is dramatically lower than most of than other years, right? Trying to reduce the risk there. The other thing I thought was interesting. Check this out, Kev. The teams in their like collective bargaining agreement now, they have to pay for what they're calling isolation housing. Okay, so mm-hmm. if they're on a road trip or whatever, and one of these players or a staffer or family member, or whatever, does test positive and have to isolate, the team is on the hook for providing that like isolation housing. Um, and then we also have talked about the idea of load management with this condensed season, right? They're going to still try to protect the prime time, the network kind of games, you know, Kawhi and Jimmy Butler and Giannis and LeBron and Luca. You can kind of get your load management in, but not if you're on TI. 
TNT, in essence, is what they are saying. Were there other pieces of the policy that kind of uh, caught your eye? Do you think it's all good? And ultimately, Kev, how do you think this is going to go down? I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but we see what's happening in college basketball, for example, Mm -hmm. right? This is not a bubble. We know the bubble was effective. This is not the bubble. We'll see what's happening with everybody else that's trying to go this route. So I think that is one of the most interesting things about the NBA restart because I, you can't speak highly enough of the bubble. Literally nothing went wrong. It's insane. Outside of, I guess, bubble a Daniel worked. House situation, right? But realistically, the, the bubble worked. To, they didn't have to cancel a single game due to the coronavirus, right? So now they're going to go into this. And the cancellation, Dane, I mean, based on what we've seen from other sports, is inevitable. That From, from what we've seen from other sports, it's inevitable. And if somehow yeah. the NBA has no yes. cancellations, then, like, Adam Silver in 2020. Like, I don't know. We're going to have to – because, like, that's bananas. To be honest, if, that Kev, somehow... if they have no cancellations, I will start to be skeptical on if they're telling us the truth. Honestly. Jeez. Yeah. Eh, I mean, I don't think. I mean, I don't. I get no cancellations, Kev. Really? Come on now. Well, that's not going to happen, right? Like, right. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's, uh, we agree. Right? We agree. Right. But I, I mean, if it did happen, I would be like, "Geez, look at the NBA." And I, unsurprisingly, you would be like, "Well, that's just a. It's not real," which is what it is. I think, though, Dane. One of the interesting things about the cancellation is the NBA recently came out because you actually, oh, are there any other rules that have stood out? And then they basically said, we don't have a hard and fast rule that will lead to the cancellation of a game. We, we, we don't have an exact policy. And I was on the other night with Mike Blue, and that kind of came up uh, on the bottom ticker of ESPN. He said, oh, great, the NBA is going with the plow through method. And ultimately, we were lost in another conversation. I didn't have the time to address that. But that's not my takeaway when I hear okay. that uh, and I see that. It's kind of what we just talked about with Ohio State. If you go out there and set a rule, and then you go, oh, that rule's <laughs> wrong, and you move it around, and then people are mm-hmm. like, well, you're just kind of double-talking yourself here to say. They don't know. That's the, And that's, the I guess, the, the biggest thing of it all, Dane, is they don't know exactly what they're getting into until they get into it. I mean, they right. have a very that's good fair. idea of what it yep. is, but they're, they're not positive about how effective every single thing is going to be. So I think that's the right decision from the NBA to be playing that by ear. Do you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fine. Okay. And there's something different about having a policy and then not being able to have the testicular fortitude to go through it. And on the other side, what I would call maintaining flexibility, right? And so, for example, Kev, I think you know this, the NBA has come out with their schedule, but the first half of the schedule, not the second half of the schedule, right? And I think that is to maintain flexibility. Why have the back half of the schedule? You don't know. How many games are going to be canceled? How many games you need to move and shake? Why have other blocks to be able to move the puzzle pieces around if you don't have to just yet? We don't know how this is going to go on, how many games are going to stack upon itself, right? So I think maintaining Mm -hmm. that kind of flexibility is okay. For me, when you say the policy, here's here's the way I look at it. And I think another critical factor here for the NBA versus, say, the NFL, which we are seeing. 
The NFL, you've got 53 guys on the roster and another group of practice squad guys. Kev, we're talking about like one guy becomes four, becomes seven. What I'm interested in is like on an NBA roster, Kev, there's 12 dudes. So like Mm -hmm. the number of guys that have to be on the COVID list or down has to be far fewer, I would think, for it to trigger the idea of, well, this team, the competitive balance aspect of it all, right? When we talk about the Raiders' offensive line or the Niners' wide receiver room or the Denver Broncos' quarterbacks, right? I think it's a lot tighter for a team to be in the universe where, uh-oh, three of their guys are down and it's their second, fourth leading scorers and the second guy off the bench. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be harder for me to equate at what point you compromise uh, integrity with basketball. I think that's going to be harder than these other sports because there's fewer players and we know the way basketball is played, dominated by its stars, right? So that's the part. The logistics part, the health part, we've always talked about. The other part is the competitive balance and I believe that because of the NBA schedule with multiple games in a week and how small the rosters are, that's Mm going to be a little bit of a more slippery slope for the NBA. So, and I want to actually talk about the schedule because I think there's something really interesting there, right? But this is why I have maintained faith in the NBA and I continue to do so. We're we're going to talk a little make-miss playoffs uh, and what the FanDuel Sportsbook is offering. Above the make-playoffs market is to make the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference play-in. Because the NBA Mm -mm. is coming into this aware that things are going to get a little messed up. So when they turn to Team Y and they go, listen, I get it. If you finish those other four games, maybe you go from the nine to the eight. But you're the nine. You're still in. You still got a shot. We went through this all season long. That's why we built our play-in tournament. You're going to get some big games there. And if you win those games... You're going to be able to advance through. That's the thing with, with the NBA. And they're not going to be ready for everything, Dane. But boy, do they seem ready for a whole bunch of it, right? And and that's the thing that I saw when we were talking about would the bubble work and would the bubble not work. And ultimately, our two standpoints was I thought it would work. And you were like, I'll, I'll let you know if it works. I'll just let you know how it plays out, right? And it did. And, and it did. And, no, 100%. 100%. And it did. But, so now we enter this season, right? And I think it's going to be a similar situation here on the early line. I'm telling you right now, I'm optimistic about how the NBA will handle this at the minimum relative to the rest of the other leagues, right? But I And Dane, I, and I know you're saying, we'll see how they do. Because at the end of the day, that's what's ultimately going to matter. So I, I think that we're, we're on a good starting point. But as far as the schedule goes, so I think that's really important because you, you brought something up. Yeah. We only have the first half of the schedule out. From a betting yeah. perspective, thing. we don't have a team's full schedule. I mean, it's pretty tough. But don't we still know what the opponents have to be? Like, isn't I, there a formula? I, I mean... I I don't know. The thing is, the formula is thrown off because it's not an. Like if the Nets season. have only, but if the Nets have only one game against the Knicks in the first half of the schedule, you know there's going to yeah. be three more in the back half, right? Generally, 
Yeah, so, and again, I think they kind of released the parameters, right? You know, each team is going to play the group within like their division three times. Right, yeah. right, right. They're, they're supposed to play the other side all twice, and it's supposed to, you know, kind of work out smoothly. But I also do feel like the timing of games can matter. Getting a sense of when back-to-backs are sure. matters for yeah. certain teams at the minimum. Like, I can't touch an L.A. Clippers, you know, can I? Uh, a win total with the L.A. Clippers without getting a sense of which games Kawhi will and won't be there for? Because that's the thing about Kawhi. I can at least get the sense of some games I know he won't be there for. And now, if I don't have the back end of the schedule, it does become a, a little bit more, more difficult. No, I think that's fair. And Kev, here's what I'll say. The trust, the communication, the commissioner in the NBA, I think make them like a better... It makes them like a better marathon runner than the Major League mm-hmm. Baseball marathon runner is. But the NBA is running, in my opinion, a tougher race to run because of some of the mm. conditions like the roster size, the games and the schedule. So while they may do it better, they may have a harder task to accomplish. We'll talk about it more when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. We're looking at the edge to be had in the NBA because we are inside of two weeks for the start of the regular season. The preseason gets going literally this weekend, tomorrow. It is happening. I think we've outlaid already, Kevin, the kind of the contours of the season, the protocols, the policies. And, and you know, we've had this conversation before. You do believe that Adam Silver and the players are going to, like, figure this out. You have, like, trust and confidence. I I don't not have confidence. I just think the task at hand is a lot tougher than most people Mm -hmm. are willing to accept that it is, especially with the status of the virus in this country for the winter time. This isn't also like the summer or the beginning of the fall, right? We're now in the doomsday period, which is when the NBA is going to have to try to go through this before, you know, vaccines get shots in arms, which we all hope is coming soon. And because of the nature of, you know, the roster the schedule, that sort of stuff. But if we cross that and we want to figure out ways to make money off the NBA, regardless of how it happens, we look first in the Eastern Conference where we have the Eastern Conference championship odds, right? And the favorites are the favorites. We know that the Bucks are up top. We know the Nets are there. It seems like the Celtics and the Heat who were there last year. These are proverbially, Kevin, like your Deshaun Watsons, right? Your Givens, your elites that are obviously going to be at the top of the list right but where i think the linchpin is where i think the pivot point is is if you look at this and you know eight teams qualifier there's going to be that play in let's look around seven eight nine right so if you take out the top guys even the sixers and the raptors i'm intrigued by some of these young developing teams we talk about like you're a big fan of the charlotte hornets you told me to grab them at 100 to one last time around and then hedge off it a lot of people like what the hawks Mm -hmm. are doing you know the wizards now have russell westbrook for goodness sakes can he carry them to a playoff berth in the east we talk about we talk about the top all the time right will Giannis Mm. get through look at what the nets might be do they acquire a big three but the fun might be in kind of that soft second third tier right 
Oh, it absolutely is. The the back end of this Eastern Conference is going to be a lot of fun because you got a lot of teams that seem like they want to go for it. They want to get themselves yeah. into the playoffs. And that top group, that staple playoff group, I mean, who could you even really make an argument for missing, right? Milwaukee, no shot. Brooklyn, it would be like people would have to get hurt without drama. injury, right? Like Fair. that's not happening. Brooklyn could be drama. Brooklyn could be drama. They, but there's too much talent to where they didn't have. They wouldn't have Fair. one of the eight best records, right? Like, Fair. And I think you go through that list. Philly still has all of his talent. The Raptors, like, and the Celtics have gotten to a point where they have earned their keep at the top. The Heat just went to the yeah. finals. So realistically, yep. like there's a lot of spots secure, and there's a lot of teams that want to get in the mix here. And you've mentioned a couple of them. So let's start with the Indiana Pacers, if we can, because the sure. Indiana Pacers make this list for me. And I am really surprised when it comes to this team and how they are being positioned to possibly make the place. They're just in this group with all of these other teams, a little bit less juice. But even, Dane, if you used it from the futures market, right, to win mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference, the Pacers yeah. are at the same exact price as the Hawks and the Wizards, except right. they were the fourth seed in the East last year. And Victor yeah. Oladipo hardly played. It's coming back. And they're all yeah. back. Rogden's back. Depot's back. T.J. Warren is now new and improved, mm. in my opinion, one of your favorite players, because I think you <laughs> loved everything he did in the bubble. So I'm just going to stick with that. Sabonis so off of an all-star season. And Miles Turner would appoint to prove Turner. after hearing his name shopped around all off-season long. I look at this Pacer. It's like one of these teams doesn't belong here. And that's how I view the Indiana Pacers. All right, fair enough. And to your point, if you look at the Eastern Conference market, to what Kevin was saying, I think you can t- consider six kind of good to go for playoff spots, right? Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, mm-hmm. Philly, and even the Toronto Raptors, who are somewhat depleted from future, from previous years. But, you know, we believe that Nick Nurse and the professional blue-collar attitude and, of course, you know, some of their studs uh, will get them through. And then we're talking about Atlanta, Indy, Washington, you know, Charlotte, Orlando, and you think indiana has a good case to make like out of those like we're doing the same thing right in the afc playoff picture right which horses do you buy we believe in cleveland but not necessarily miami right it's the same kind of thing so in that group right that maybe you're going to be fighting tooth and nail you do like the indiana pacers tell me another team in that east that's right there in that kind of in that band that you do like or one that you're comfortable fading and saying nah the hawks need another year or the wizard it ain't it ain't gonna work with westbrook and beal like take another Mm -hmm. stand on one of these uh you know quasi eastern conference playoff contenders so the, the tough thing for myself is I think I'm so excited for this year. I have to remember that only so many teams can get in, and I can't love every right. team to get That's in right. there and get involved. I have to be very, <laughs> so very So Indy's cautious. one of them. You only have one more, Kev. You only can get it's, one more in. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's, you want to tell gonna, me, like, Toronto falls flat or dr- there's drama in one right. of the other places. Here's here's the thing, though. The Atlanta Hawks are worth mentioning. Now, everybody is okay. very excited about Atlanta, and you have to tread carefully, okay? 
But gosh, do they have a sweet offseason. First of all, Trey sure. Young returns, and Trey Young has been ascending. Trey Young last year planted himself as at least a top 20 player in this league, and I think he can move up further as the year carries on. John Collins remains. Um, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish will be entering year two, and they can both hopefully take leaps, and Kevin Herter's a nice player out of Maryland. But they also added three, I think, real key contributors to this roster. The The first is Clint Capella, who they already had last year, but he's never played a game in a Hawks uniform. That type of lob threat with Trey Young, he's got a real shot sure. to, lead, to lead the NBA in assists this coming season. He has an absolute really good shot at leading the NBA in assists to come this year. I hope we get those markets. So Capella's going to be a great piece. And then the floor spacing, the shooting, and a couple of guys that can actually get their own shot in Bogdan Bogdanovich, who they get because of the Milwaukee Bucks fumbling the bag, and Danilo Gallinari, who was Gallinari, a part yeah. of everything that went well for the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is just a roster that it's hard to argue with. And then they also add pieces Did they up like Rajon Rondo. Yes. Yeah. They add pieces like Rajon Rondo and Chris Dunn. Guards that can go out there, take something off of Trey Young's plate, allow him to play a little off ball. Here's the thing about Trey Young. A lot of people make Steph Curry comparisons. Those are dangerous. Steph is an all-time great, an all-time great, and a two-time MVP. But Trey Young and those, like you can see the game. Steph, when no, he gets to play off ball, right, yeah. is so deadly, right? Trey Young never was afforded that opportunity last year. Now he can be on the court with Rondo or Chris Dunn and play a little off ball and bend defenses and apply gravity, right. all of those things that Steph Curry does. And also, yeah. you know, what will Rondo look like in the regular season? It's going to be interesting because last year, no, playoff like, Rondo. The reason, yeah, the reason why I hated <laughs> Ray John Rondo last year is the regular season. He was miserable. Will that remain this year? We'll see. But I think Chris Dunn's a guy that's going to have a lot to prove, right? Coming out of coming from Chicago, he's a defensive first guard. He's a really, really good defensive piece. And that's what we all know is Trey Young's week. I mean, he might be the worst defender in all of basketball. So to pair him right. next to a Chris Dunn, I'm excited about what the Hawks have done here. All right, fair enough. The one thing I would push back on is the existence of Rajon Rondo may threaten Trey Young's ability to lead the league in assists this year, as you were saying. <laughs> but now that it sounds like, okay, we've 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 considered the top six as very strongly to qualify. You are now also saying that the Atlanta Hawks and the Indiana Pacers are teams you either like or you think deserve to be considered as for the Pacers. So, Kev, to try to hold us to it, by the law of syllogism, that then means, Kev, that you mm-hmm. do not believe the Wizards will qualify for the playoffs with Westbrook and Beal. That means mm-hmm. you do not believe the Charlotte Hornets with all their pieces that you like and ball that you like, that you told me to go get shares of them for the Eastern Conference Championship. You don't think they're making the playoffs. <laughs> so let me ask you, um, is that kind of consistent? Would you be down to bet the missed playoffs for these teams? Maybe even in Orlando, would you bet the under on their season win total or do you think one of them have a shot of you know for example like hopping the philadelphia 76ers or the toronto raptors or something of that nature so the, the hornets make the graphic because i think that team can go over their win total and ultimately we said bet them at 101 i think the number goes below 101 it hasn't right, right, right. if it doesn't 
listen, how much could you have bet on 100 to 1 that you're going to hold it against me forever, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right? But I think the Hornets go over their team total. But one of these teams I have to be lower on. I can't say I love every team in the Eastern Conference That's to right. exceed expectations. Can't put someone on the All-Star sure. team and not take someone off. Exactly. I'm not sure about this Washington team. I know everybody's very, very excited because last year Bradley Beal was sensational. No two ways about it. Bradley Beal was great for that team. And in comes Russell Westbrook, right? Here's the thing. Bradley Beal last year was sixth in the entire NBA in usage. Bradley Beal's never had that before. And I think he's going to want some more. Bradley Beal, we all believed, was snubbed from the All-Star team. John Wall, in his exit, says this is your franchise now. Except the reason why Russ wanted out of Houston is because he wanted to go back to being the face of a franchise and being the most ball-dominant player in the entire NBA. Right. Which I'm just not exactly sure. what you just said for Beal. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that meshes. And the reason why I think I need to step back from the Wizards is everybody's lower on the Rockets because Harden is going to eventually want out. Bradley Beal could want out. And his situation is a little less complicated because Bradley Beal is going to be a free agent sooner than James Harden. And Bradley Beal requires, listen, at the end of the day, Harden costs an arm and a leg. Bradley Beal costs an arm. It's a little bit easier to bring Bradley Beal into the fold. And I know everyone like loves Davis Bertans and people are excited about Maruha Tom, They're awful defensively. I mean, they were horrendous on the defensive side of the basketball last year. And if you think Russell Westbrook is going to come in and fix that, you just haven't been watching Russell Westbrook. Can he defend? Like, yeah, years ago, Russell Westbrook was able to defend. I actually think he was the defensive player of the year at UCLA in the Pac-12, which is just a wild thing about Russell Westbrook. But to me, he, like, everyone's going to, you're going to hear this. I know you're going to hear it. Man, I'll tell you what, Russ, he's so gritty, in-your-face guy. He's going to fix the defensive issues. No, the hell he's not. No, he's not. He's going to tell Thomas Bryant to box out. He's got a rebound to get. We're on our way to a triple-double. triple, a triple double. Like, I just, I don't think this Wizards thing is going to end up being as smooth. Now, we've got some time. Maybe I change my tone. Maybe I hear some things on the ground that'll turn that around. But on the surface, I'm not sure this westbrook Beal marriage is one built to last. All right, fair enough. And, you know, like we said, if Kevin's going to pick his fringe horses, he also has to cast some to the wayside. We will do the same exercise in the Western Conference when we come back. We know who Kevin likes up at the top of the West. We're not even going to be talking about the Lakers, though. Let's see what he thinks. You know, with some of these other teams, we're going to pick some horses that there could be some value on in the Western Conference when we come back. We got to talk about week 14 of the NFL season. We also have a UFC pay-per-view to to discuss. We'll do that all when we come back here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. We're trying to get the early edge on the NBA futures markets, although, Kev, I think we got to acknowledge NBA futures markets. 
there's a lot still up in the air, right? I don't know if you want to hold your money in escrow <laughs> for that long until May or June or July with so much up in the air, whether you have trust in Adam Silver or not, right? It may, but that's what we're looking at. So let me ask you this, because we only got a couple of minutes until hour number two. And when we looked at the Eastern Conference, we started by saying, listen, we can draw the line here in terms of like, the teams that we think will safely qualify as per the Eastern Conference kind of odds, right? As I look mm -hmm. at the Western Conference and I and think about whether there's play in or not, I'm thinking about eight teams to be in the real playoffs, right? Where do you draw that line? Like, do you think uh, the top five teams in the odds, the top six teams in the odds, would it be safe mm. for us to assume would at least qualify for the playoffs? For me... It's like the top five or six, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Mavs. I believe Golden State will qualify. I can understand if people want to cast away the Utah Jazz, though. So I would call, I think, for example, the team that's in eighth place here in the Trailblazers is one of the teams that I would consider above the fold to be, um, you know, definitely in. So where do you draw that line so we can see where mm -hmm. is the band of quasi contenders that we could drill a little yeah. bit deeper into on the other side of the break yeah uh, the west is a disaster in this regard because right. last year you take those eight teams the thunder are an easy removal but as you said the warriors are supposed to slot right back in right. i don't think you can really discount the jazz they've not gotten any worse and okay as far and they're going to get bogdanovich back and the people are going to try and move the rockets on but if james harden's on that team they're going to be in the playoffs so, so if okay, you that, that, then I don't want to hear right? any of these young ascending teams, you know, then I don't want to hear Jack about all these teams that you love so much that have all the pieces, right? Memphis Grizzlies, sorry, Zion, sorry, you know, the, the all of this stuff, like, which one is it, Gav? We got to think about it. I hear you. So what I want to hear is which one is it for you, not the public or the perception, in hour number two when we come back.